Today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. Happy Labor Day to everyone. I hope you enjoyed uh, your long weekends. On the show today, all of the big Canadian banks have now finished their reporting. The numbers weren't very good. We're going to wrap up this quarter's earnings. Plus, Canada's GDP shrunk in the second quarter. We're going to have a look at that story. Also, U.S. unemployment was up sharply in August, uh, which came as a surprise to most people. And finally, we're going to update you on the CRA Serb scandal. So let's get started with today's show. The Canadian banks have now all reported, and as a group, they really struggled in the third quarter of 2023. Four of the big six banks missed the profit estimates, and all of them reported significantly higher credit loss provisions. CIBC was the final bank to report its third quarter results, and it came in with net income of $1.43 billion, which was a decline of 14% from a year earlier. Diluted earnings per share were $1.47, that's down 17% year over year. Adjusted net income was $1.47 billion, down 15% from the same period last year. And its adjusted diluted earnings per share were $1.52, down 18% year over year. Like all of the other banks, uh, provision for loan losses spiked in uh, the third quarter. They reported $736 million in Q3, and that is up from $493 million in Q3 of 2022. The bank also declared a dividend of $0.87. Cents. Currently, the yield is 6.43%. Now, during the reporting week, the banks were very consolidated in blaming the drop, the poor earnings, on needing to set substantially more money aside uh, for the potential of bad loans not being paid. And also, another big key factor they had was a lower trading activity. If we look at a quick recap of the big six, CIBC income was $1.43 billion, down 14%. TD, $3.7 billion, down 2%. National Bank's earnings were $790 million, down 4%. Bank of Nova Scotia, net income was $2.23 billion for the quarter, down 14.5% from a year earlier. BMO, net income $2.04 billion, down 4.2%. And the one shining star in the group, Royal Bank, income at $3.87 billion, up 8.1% year over year. So all in all, this truly wasn't a stellar earnings period for the banks. And I think there's going to be continued headwinds that they're going to be facing going in for the balance of 2023. Last Friday's GDP report is the last major piece of domestic data before the Bank of Canada makes its next policy rate decision, which happens to be uh, tomorrow. The Canadian economy is off to a weak start, it appears, in the second half of this year. Uh, GDP numbers unexpectedly contracted in the second quarter. The new numbers are really starting to show evidence that the weight of higher borrowing costs uh, that we've seen due to the uh, Bank of Canada raising interest is finally starting to take its toll on the Canadian economy. According to Statistics Canada, the GDP unexpectedly contracted at an annualized rate of 0.2% in the second quarter and this is uh, well below the estimates uh, the bank of canada had estimated a 1.5 percent growth and bay street's estimates were growth of 1.2 percent so these numbers came in significantly lower than that um, in addition it revised its growth from the first quarter to an annual pace of 2.6 percent and that is down from their original report of 3.1 percent so what are the economists saying about this? Well, Stephen Brown, he is the Deputy Chief North American Economist at Capital Economics. And he said, the surprise contraction in second quarter GDP leaves little doubt that the Bank of Canada will keep interest rates unchanged next week. 
With the fall in monthly GDP in June and the apparent stagnation in July setting a weak foundation for the third quarter, Canadian economy may have already fallen into a modest recession. Now, when we sift through the data just to see what had the biggest effect on the GDP decline, uh, the huge number of wildfires that we've seen so far this summer definitely have had uh, a major toll on certain industries. I look at mining, rail transportation, oil and gas, and accommodation. They were all negatively affected by this uh, fire activity. Um, even on a broader scale though, there are additional signs that the economy is slowing. We look at housing investment in the second quarter down by 2.1%, and this is now the fifth consecutive quarterly decrease here. Um, new construction dropped 8.2% in the quarter, and renovation spending fell 4.3%. Um, household spending grew at a very lethargic 0.1% compared with 1.2% in the previous quarter. Some of the hardest hit sectors were the new passenger cars, uh, furniture, and outdoor recreation gear. Uh, on a positive note, the economy saw greater spending on new trucks, on vans, um, and on SUVs, which is something we haven't seen for a while. Right now, the Bank of Canada has a, a very difficult task, I would say, just trying to balance the expectations and yet driving its message to bring inflation down. And it will be uh, interesting to see how these most recent GDP numbers affect its rate decision, which, as I said, will be announced tomorrow. U.S. unemployment came in expectedly high at 3.8% in August, and this is now the highest that has seen since February of 2022. The labor force participation rate, it rose to 62.8%, uh, which also is the highest rate we've seen since February of 2020, and this is just before the pandemic started, obviously. Um, this is the percentage of the population that is either, either working or actively looking for work. And according to the U.S. Labor Department, 736,000 people entered the job market in August. And these are signs that it's quite possible that the, the looming concerns about an economic slowdown are starting to encourage people to get back into the labor market. In July, job openings fell to 8.83 million, and that's still way above what they were before the COVID pandemic, but it is the lowest that we've seen now since March of 2021. And this means that there are now one and a half job openings for every unemployed worker. And this is according to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics. The sector that added the most jobs in August was healthcare. 71,000 jobs were added there. Uh, leisure and hospitality also showed strong gains with 40,000 new jobs uh, being added to that sector. Transportation and warehousing lost 34,000 jobs. And it's also estimated that 50,000 jobs were lost by a combination of the Hollywood writer's strike and also by the yellow uh, trucking bankruptcy that happened in the States. Nick Bunker, who is the Economic Research Director for North America at the Indeed Hiring Lab, he said in his August job report, the U.S. labor market continues to come back to earth, but from a very high peak. The labor market was sprinting last year, and now it's getting closer to a marathon pace. A slowdown is welcome. It's the only way to go the distance. This data is a pivotal piece of the puzzle as the Federal Reserve contemplates what their next rate decision is going to be, and that comes up a little bit later in September. According to the data on the CME FedWatch tool, there's a 93% likelihood that the Fed will not raise rates this time around. And just as a reminder, the rate currently sits at a target range of 5.25% to 5.5%. The CRA has reported that 120 employees have been fired due to fraudulently claiming CERB benefits while they were employed. 
at the agency. Now, in June, the CRA had advised that they had already fired 20 employees for inappropriately receiving the funds, uh, and that it was investigating an additional 600 cases, and they provided an update this past Friday. In its update, the CRA said, out of the approximately 600 cases, we can report that 120 individuals are no longer with the CRA as a result of this internal review. Now, the CRA says that it takes any form of wrongdoing seriously, and it is strongly committed to protecting the integrity of Canada's tax and benefits system, uh, demonstrating to Canadians, this is one of their goals, to demonstrate to Canadians that the CRA is a trusted uh, and fair organization. Um, In a statement, the CRA says, when misconduct is identified, we ensure that the appropriate actions are taken to address it. So what are the appropriate actions? Well, they say that any CRA employee who has inappropriately claimed the the, uh, SIR benefit will be required to pay the amounts um, if they haven't done so already. And I don't know how that differs from any other person out there. Uh, you would think that there'd be some more repercussions than just repaying the amount. Um, kind of encourages people just to give it a try and see how it turns out, I guess. But uh, they did make a point of saying that just because a person is an employee of the agency, it doesn't automatically disqualify them uh, from receiving CERB during the pandemic. And they cite uh, temporary employees. They talk about student contracts that might have actually been eligible depending on uh, their employment situation. Canada's Auditor General reported last December that the federal government had delivered around $4.6 billion uh, in COVID-19 aid overpayments to people who were ineligible. Coming up for the balance of this week, we have the Bank of Canada rate decision tomorrow, Wednesday. Also, we have earnings tomorrow from Alimentation Coutard. On Friday, the Canada unemployment rate uh, will come out. And normally I would be back in a couple of days with an update, but starting tomorrow I will be traveling and uh, we will be in Toronto at the Money Show uh, starting on Friday. Well, we'll be presenting on Friday around noon or so. So if you're in the area, the tickets are free and there's still time to go ahead and get registered for that. We'd love to meet as many of you as possible while we're at that event. So my next report here will be uh, on Monday. So almost a week from now. So um, I hope you enjoyed the show today. As always, there is a link for our Investing Academy in the description of this video, and we'll see you uh, next Monday.